Welcome to Running Is Bullshit. I'm Amy. Amy, let's have a full name for this, please. <laughs> I am Amy Cuthbert Genders. And I'm Stuart Just Harding. And you're listening to the podcast that loves to hate running. Brand new name for Amy. Well done. Oh, thank you. And do we have to go with that three named athlete thing now and call you ACG? I mean, yeah, that that would be fantastic. It, it's a like long, that. it's it's a long name now. I'm getting used to like seeing it on Facebook and stuff, and thinking that's a really long, pretentious name. But that's what I was going for. I love a good long, double-barreled name. <laughs> Can we just go with ACG? Yeah, go for it. That's pretty good. <laughs> Lovely wedding. I, yeah, I, I'm you. really glad that you invited me out of guilt. That was really nice. <laughs> we had to make up the numbers. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, a, a quick rundown from a guest point of view. Uh, the bar was open and free and serve yourself. That was good. There was also tea, coffee, crisp, crisps on arrival. We actually joked on the way. We don't want champagne on arrival at a wedding. I want crisps on arrival. And that's what we had. There were yep. cakes there. It was all there. Go and get it if you want it. The, the the food was pizza. There was a pizza van. You just go and get pizza if you wanted it. And then you could just go and sit down if you wanted or you could go outside if you wanted. And it was just like, do whatever the hell you want. Perfect yeah. kind of wedding. Ceremony, nice and short. Uh, speeches, nice and short, straight to the point. Uh, fantastic wedding, I've got to say. Thank you. You know what? That's just what we were going for. And the, the great thing is, well, I, I suppose I suppose you like heterosexuals can do this as well. But like when you're doing like a, I hate using the term same sex, like a same sex wedding, you can sort of pick and choose the bits you want to do because there's no expectations. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. for instance, I, I wore a suit, like I don't wear dresses, haven't worn dresses since I was about three years old. <laughs> I look like a drag queen in them, even though I'm a woman, it just doesn't look right. And like people were asking me before, they were like, oh, what are you going to wear? And you wouldn't get that at, like a heterosexual wedding. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit of mystery, yeah. Dress. Is it going to yeah, be double dress? Wear... Is it double suit? Yeah, or like, what are you going to do with your name? Like, not this assumption. So yeah, we picked the bits we wanted to keep which were the traditional bits like the ceremony bit but then the rest of it we really wanted it to be absolutely chilled out like people just do what they want to do go home when you want to go home like do whatever you want i mean you guys left at eight o'clock that's perfect Uh, i love that yeah yeah and it's like it's like people will probably go yeah back to the hotel room no we were knackered we had a shower and went to sleep legitimately i was asleep at nine o'clock at night i was so tired yeah (laughs) good for you well just to fill everyone in good wedding look forward to the next one uh so anyway this is episode 88 (laughs) thanks (laughs) (laughs) episode 88 we'll be talking all about hills sheep feet and horses but before that oh hasn't it been hot uh, has anyone else had runs that sound like this? Oh yeah, it's hot, isn't it? It is hot. Yeah, getting out early before it gets too hot. Oh, I've had plenty of water, thank you. Yeah, it's hot. Oh yeah, it's hot, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is hot. Yeah, it's hot. Ah. Yeah, don't worry, I've got a cold beer waiting in the house, yeah. Ice bath as well, yeah. Faster than more fire, yeah. You don't need to go abroad, do you? You probably can't anyway because of Brexit. You probably voted Brexit, you know, you red nosed prick. Oh, it's hot, innit? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> London Marathon, is it? Yeah. No, I'm just out for a jog, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, it's hot. It's really hot, yeah. Oh, I didn't expect it either. Yeah. Should have gone at night. Yeah, I should have. Yeah. You're right. Ah, oh, all right. Oh, yeah, it's hot. It's really hot. That is another video from Jimmy Watkins, The Running Punk. And I love that video. And I also hate it because I immediately thought, as soon as it started, I thought, oh, I could have done that. Oh, that's the video I should have done. Um, I assume we've all had runs like that over the past few weeks, in the UK at least. The worst thing for me is I've had a week off 
Um, but I've had to get up at 5.30 on the days we wanted to go and do things so we could drive out, do something before it gets too hot for William. And that is too early. Summer is bullshit. Mate, that's too early. 5.30. Like, I- I've set my alarm a few times to try and do that lately. And I used to be like a really early riser, but not anymore. I- it's interesting because Pippin... Pippin's got very short hair, so she can cope with a bit more heat than mm. other dogs with longer hair. And sometimes I won't, obviously I don't take her out in the b- middle of the day when it's boiling hot, but I take her out in the morning when it's getting warmer. And people look at me like I'm abusing my dog. It's like, I know my own dog's, you know, I, am, I know my own dog's limits. She's absolutely fine in this sort of heat. But but yeah, the death stares I get, like running with my dog in a certain amount of heat. I'm like, don't worry, I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Multiple pre-six o'clock alarms have been too much for my week off work, you know. Great. Don't get to go to work, but I have to get up even earlier. But I've been having naps, so that's nice. Oh, can't beat a good nap. Can't beat a good nap. Especially when it's hot. Haven't been pulling as many all day as as usual. (laughs) Uh, We'll have a catch up on the last episode. Vinay Menon answered the most important question we had last time, which is that he names his snakes based on characters in whichever book he's reading at the time. I'd totally forgotten about this snake thing, and I was reading this sentence over and over again thinking what does this mean (laughs) when i was reading through the show notes and then i remembered it's uh it's about his nice dead snakes or alive was it alive live snakes yeah oh live snake yeah live snake that he named last one's called brent interesting yeah brent that was it what book was that from (laughs) can people guess can people guess what book that was from (laughs) in a running podcast of course we're talking about someone that names his snakes after book characters that's just a normal thing isn't it yeah definitely at Clarice Runs says, I will forever be calling my days at work all dayers now. Nicola Ford was also a fan of the all dayer. Yeah, I hate that. I hate when I actually have to be in work because when, when I'm at home, I literally have a, a bed in my office. Not for that reason. It's meant to be for guests, but that is the reason. I will go to the bed and I will have a nap at lunchtime. Um, but when I'm at work and you can't have a nap, that absolutely sucks. Proper yeah. all dayer. If that's a phrase that catches on from this podcast, if nothing else... Uh, I'll yeah. be. I think I'll be fairly happy with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I won't be because if nothing else, there's 88 fucking episodes. We've done a lot. Um, at Gareth Mitch two one zero says eating bananas is bullshit. They are rats as food. <laughs> Amazing in smoothies, but people that like eating bananas are wrong. So very wrong. R- rats as food. <laughs> that, that is a lot of anger aimed at yeah. a banana. Yeah, people who don't like bananas are like that, though. They really hate bananas. I don't know what it is, but if you don't like bananas, you're firmly like a banana hater. I I used to not like bananas when I was younger, and I could swear that I could taste them in, like, you know when they used to thicken smoothies and Mm. stuff, and it's only a bit, I'm like, I can taste the banana in this. Um, But now I do like bananas, not so fussed, but I get it. I've I've been in both camps, so I understand how it is. Yeah, there are a few particular foods. Like, if you, like, don't like tomatoes or some people are, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. But, like, if you don't like, uh, the classic is pineapple on pizza, people go fucking mental about it. I mean, why, yeah, but, and, like, yeah, you're right. People who don't like bananas fucking hate bananas and anything to do with bananas, and that's really strange. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like quite a strong taste and an interesting texture. I mean, some people don't so, like texture. So just don't so. eat them. Yeah. And shut up. Don't hate on us. <laughs> Lisa Gibbon says, this episode did actually make me want to try orienteering. But then I went to the website, clicked go orienteering, but couldn't understand the map. Shruggy <laughs> emoji. <laughs> yeah, probably not the one for you. No, no. Oh. Uh, before we crack on with the rest of the episode, let's stop for tea. Ooh. 
This podcast is partnered with Bird and Blend Tea, and if you like the sound of what we're drinking, you can head to runningisbs.com forward slash tea to click our links and grab that discount code tea is not BS, which will get you free bonfire toffee tea with any purchase. Loads of you are still buying tea, which is amazing, and the most popular, quite comfortably, is chocolate digestive. Good choice. That's a really good tea. That is a solid choice. That is by far uh, the the favourite tea of our listeners. Good tea. Uh, Amy, what are you drinking at the moment? I'm drinking Bell's Breakfast, which <laughs> I didn't understand the name until Stuart informed me that it's Bell from Beauty and the Beast. I was, I was really confused. Um, so you, you might be able to guess from the title, which I couldn't guess from the name, um, that it's a rose tea. And then I was, because I was confused again, and then I clicked, I was like, oh yeah, the rose in Beauty and the Beast, and the petals are falling off, I get it, I get it. Uh, too clever for me, Burn and Blend, too clever for me. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of black tea in this, so I make this like super weak, like this is a two seconds with the water, and then straight into my mug, because if you know me, I'm not a fan of like mm-hmm. really tea that tastes like tea, <laughs> really strong tea. So it's got like Sri Lankan black tea, Kenyan black tea, Chinese black tea, all the black teas in there. Um, and then rose petals. Despite like all the black tea, the rose is like, really strong in it. You can really taste it, which I love. Um, love a good rose tea. But like I said, I have to be straight in and out with it because otherwise it's too strong. <laughs> yeah, I do like this. It's really, um, uh, really kind of sweet and fragrant, but not overly mm. so, as we kind of usually yeah. say with these. It's kind of the, the taste is really strong, but it's not like, I don't think if you don't like sweet tea, I don't think it'll be too bad for you. Yeah, definitely. The black tea like evens it out. So mm. yeah. What are you drinking, Stuart? I have got some red velvet tea, as you might imagine. That is like a red velvet cake in a mug. And i got to say, this is a really beautiful looking tea. I don't know how people take good photos of tea. I tried to do it a couple of weeks ago with this one. And it just doesn't work because my house is probably terrible. Um, but when you pour it, it's like a really lovely deep red colour. And if you put milk in it, like I like to do, it kind of turns really bright pink, like almost like a strawberry milkshake. It looks fantastic. And if you've got a nice glass mug, that's really nice. Uh, so this is black tea again. And it's got a lot of beetroot in. It doesn't taste of beetroot. That's just what gives it the lovely colour. Mm. Um, some cocoa shells which gives it a kind of chocolatiness as well, like a red velvet cake and then um, some other bits and pieces some petals and cornflowers and vanilla just to kind of sweeten it and make it taste like a piece of red velvet cake i don't really know what a red velvet cake is now i think about it but i kind of know that kind of basic taste and that's what it is in a mug it's a very good tea and it looks i do really like it yeah i do really like red velvet i keep meaning to get some um lemonade and try a cold brew and lemonade with it i think it might be quite a nice one That'll be a nice one. Uh, head to our website and pick up some teas. Let us know what you think. If you're drinking any other teas from Burn Blend or anywhere else, let us know. We like to know about the interesting one because there's so many on there. We can't try them all. So we want your mm-hmm. tips as well. Definitely. Amy, what have you been up to other than getting married? Like I said, got married. Just just did it. Uh, got married. No big deal. Um, I did a pre-wedding day shake-out run, of course. Yeah. You know. um, Get I went nerves to... out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so a uh, friend of the show... Jen Danger Harding came and picked me up about, oh, I think it was about 8 a.m. Um, on the day. And we went to Wentwood Forest, which mm-hmm. wasn't really that far away from um, from us where I was staying. Really beautiful place. Abs- I've never been there before, but I know Jen does a lot of runs around there. And it was absolutely perfect for running because it had some, um, what, what are they called? You know, like the fire roads, you know, the gravelly yeah. roads that go through the forest really wide. So we ran on some of them. But also there's trails going off the roads. Um, so like there's a bit more technical trail to it absolutely perfect we went up this massive hill and I, Jen will probably email in and say what it was called 
but she took me up a big fuck off hill felt like I was gonna die and it wasn't helped by the fact that I had a full English breakfast at the hotel yes. before we went on this run so basically so this this breakfast is worth 20 quid obviously I got it with the room it's included in the room but still yeah. that's 20 quid's worth of breakfast so you better believe I'm going down there and I'm eating it and I had to have it before the run because breakfast was seven till ten so I had to have it between seven and eight because by the time we'd gone for our run, I had to be back. I had to be back helping with last minute um, setting up of uh, the venue. So I couldn't have it afterwards. So and I thought I'm not not going or I'm not going down and just having some cereal. Like, no. who do you think I am? So I had a full on breakfast. I had like three uh, vegetarian sausages. I had beans. I had roasted tomatoes. I had like three slices of toast. I had... Um, what else did I have? Oh, I had uh, like cooked mushrooms, which is always very, very dangerous for me. There, I, there was an incident on a train a few uh, years ago after cooked mushrooms, and I left a very, a very ex- something very explosive at Bristol Parkway. I'll just, uh, wow. I'll just say that. So yeah, cooked mushrooms always dangerous for me, but they were absolutely amazing. And I had like a whole like pot of tea, you know, like a pot of tea, yep. uh, glass of water, and two glasses of orange juice. And Legend. I finished it. So it wasn't like a buffet-style breakfast. You had to you had to wait for people to serve you. So by the time I, had, I was served, it was like half seven. And I literally finished eating at eight o'clock and Jen was outside the hotel. Um, so yeah, that, that <laughs> it wasn't ideal. Um, but I did keep the breakfast in. I ran up a massive hill and I did a, I think it was just over six mile run. And it was absolutely fine. It was yeah. good, good ultra training. <laughs> I went to that very forest this morning. It's very nice there. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's really, really nice. And Jen's, uh, Jen was saying like her family lives only about a mile away. So when she visits mm. them, she gets to go running there. And it was just, I was like, this is amazing. For very much, very enjoyable. Um, but then I was like hungry for the rest of the day for the wedding. And because I was so busy getting married and shit, I hardly got to eat any of the wonderful Aww. food you were talking about. So I was there when the caterers delivered the cakes and stuff. And I really want, because I was, I was hungry at that point, because by then it was sort of about 12, 1 o'clock. And I was really hungry. And I thought, oh, I could probably, when I saw them delivering it, I thought I could probably get a cake before everyone else does. But the way they'd organised it on the trays was perfect. Like perfectly yeah. symmetrical mm-hmm. and lined up. You couldn't take one. And they, there was these amazing donuts. And I really wanted a donut, but he'd organised them so nicely. If I took one, it would be really noticeable. So I couldn't take them. And I was so busy throughout the day. I didn't get any of the cakes. I had a few slices of pizza that someone brought to me. But also at the end, we were giving away pizza because the, the caterers just made the pizza and put it to one side and said, oh, any extra you can just take. Forgot to take the pizza. So I was sat back at the hotel room, tired and starving. So I was a bit yeah. uh, We left with um, a pizza, four slices of wedding cake and a bottle of wine. Oh. Again, great wedding. Yeah, yeah. I missed out on all that bloody getting married um so that was that was my wedding day which it was amazing i really recommend going for a run in the morning for your wedding just a mm. pre pre-wedding shakeout run um yeah and then yesterday i did the black mountains 13k which was by trail events co trail events company however they're they're calling themselves um originally so so me and this is again me and jen danger harding dream team um, we were looking for like some races to do because obviously we've got, the, oh, we've got this ultra in November and we need to start training because it's at Penavan and it's going to be really hilly. Um, so yeah, we've been looking for sort of trail races to do over the next few months to sort of build up our, our elevation. Um, 
So we were going to do the half marathon for this. And I'm so glad we didn't. We decided to go for the 13K instead. I'm so, so glad we didn't because I found the elevation challenging in the 13K. And I think that was only just under 2,000 feet, um, 500 and something meters, I think, for the 13K. Yeah. And I think the half was like double that. So it was actually looking at the elevation that stopped me doing the half. I was like, this seems like a bit too much. I'm yeah. glad I was. <laughs> and of course, a, a trail half is always at least 15 miles. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so I'm quite glad because I was struggling with the, the 13K, to be quite honest, at the beginning. I say I was struggling at the beginning. It was it was that sort of feeling because there was obviously, it was like up and then back down again, kind of. There was mainly up and then back down with a bit of up, but mainly back down um, in the second half. So like for the first four miles, I was struggling. And I, in my head, I was thinking, that's it. I'm going to have to walk this whole fucking race. What's the point? But I will say, second half, I was like, my calves were absolutely fine. It just, I felt absolutely brilliant, doing a good amount of running for the second half. So I was quite pleased, like, how quickly I managed to recover from it. Um, but yeah, so it was a bit of a pricey race. I can't remember how much the full amount was. I think it was like, I'm trying to think now, like 30-something pounds for mm. a 13k. I just say it was a bit pricey, but it was absolutely brilliant so mm. and i can understand where the money's going for to you know in terms of safety in terms of securing like um i mean the roads are open but like the land permissions or whatever they might have needed i don't know yeah. but um no i i definitely thought when i did it i thought it was worth the money before i did it i was like mm, this seems a bit expensive but definitely worth the money amazing route that they they chose loads of fantastic views it was challenging but not like i said not too challenging you felt like you'd, you'd done a good amount of work mm-hmm. but not you weren't traumatized afterwards we also got 0.8k added on at the end for free which oh, was fantastic bonus. all of which was uphill really loved that um there was also a really generous cutoff time so the 13k started at i think it was 10 30 yeah 10 30 and the cutoff time was 7 p.m so it was, you know, you were going to get it done. And it welcomed walkers as well, because obviously you could walk that mm-hmm. in uh, in the cut-off time. Lots of signs as well. So it was really hard to get lost, even for me. So they had lots of um, arrows, even on like farmer's land. They'd ask permission from the farmers and they put loads of arrows up in fields and stuff, which is really useful. One farmer had taken all the signs down, um, yeah. which wasn't ideal. Uh, but we were given really clear instructions at the at the briefing which way to go and it was pretty obvious once you got there because you could see where the farmer had literally knocked the signs down um so yeah that was really fantastic i'd heard i don't know whether this is true but i heard last year when they did the same event lots of people had gotten lost so i reckon because it is it is the the route is quite tricky um so i reckon after people getting lost last year they've just been really really on it with the signs it was Mm -hmm. the perfect amount for someone like me there was loads of them so that was fantastic it's the black mountains isn't it so i guess a lot of it's quite open it is yeah yeah but there's also at the same time there was a lot of like very sharp turns you had Mm -hmm. to take and turns where for somebody who's crap at navigation like me it felt like you were going the wrong way because you get really races like that you get really disorientated and you think oh yeah of course it's straight down this road but actually you're going almost Mm -hmm. back on yourself sometimes it looked like it anyway uh, so yeah and like I said what really helped was the, those farmers who did get, give permission to put signs up on their land because it was over a lot of farmland mm. so that was fantastic um, the other great thing is that they liaised with the farmers who for our route at least moved the cows from the fields oh, so nice. we didn't come across any 
livestock apart from sheep which were i'm not bothered about sheep anyway as we all know um they just need to be more bothered about me um and there were some lovely i don't know whether they're welsh a welsh ponies a thing but there was like ponies yeah. like little horses um in one of the fields and again they stayed well away and they were so small they were kind of like sheep like i could have taken one down i reckon mm-hmm. um yeah, of course so yeah yeah that was that, that was great because that's my main thing with these sort of races cows i don't want to be in a field of cows or big aggressive type horses so that was really great on our route because i could see like fresh cow poo in places so it's obvious that those fields were used for cows and the the farmers had kindly um, moved them across another field which is fantastic uh yeah so and then also it's dog friendly and i didn't take pippin this time because i didn't know what it was going to be like but it was such a small field of runners for the races we saw the half marathon um go off before us and i think it must have been about Oh, like 30 people at the most who did that race and then for ours there was probably like 15 to 20 people and we were running on our own for um most of it so i think it would definitely be a good race for for pippin who's a bit more wary about um crowds of people and stuff i think the only thing is some of the terrain is a bit tricky so i'd be a bit worried about her pulling me over but for the most part like i think it'd be a really good uh race to take your dog um and it just made me realize that he's doing a lot more hill training because i was absolutely dead and there's going to be a really great picture of me the, the 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 only official photographer who was out on the course was like at this massive like at the top of this massive hill so i had to just make an effort to try and run and i was like get ready because i'm gonna run and then take my picture so i had to make the effort to try and run up this hill I'm like why couldn't you've been on like a downhill bit where it would have looked really great and i'm like i was actually a runner <laughs> not as fun no but other, yeah black mountains 13k by trail events absolutely fantastic i thought really well organized people were really lovely all the volunteers were super super friendly and nice and great route yeah well i was there as well um because uh holly was doing the marathon distance um i come to that but yeah you're right trail events company this is the second one that she's done as well and they seem to get it they seem to be mm. I know they're one of these companies that kind of move around the country and kind of they come in the Black Mountains, they'll do Exmoor and they'll do lots in different places, but they seem to do a really good job. They look after run as well. They do good briefings, good kit checks, which I think a lot mm. of people kind of skip out. And I said, yeah, really well signposted races. A little bit expensive, but I think they are pretty good. I might try one of their halves at some point because that looks quite fun. Mm, definitely, yeah. Um, just to speak about perhaps Holly then quickly, uh, she did the marathon distance and got her first dnf oh yeah um well sensible decision she basically got on top she got 15 miles in i think at this point it was 13 miles in was on top of a mountain really exposed and got absolutely smashed by a hail storm Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just had to like hide in one of these little kind of you know they build kind of little walls these kind of little cairns sometimes Mm -hmm. at the top of the hills she basically had to huddle inside that to get all her uh, wet weather gear out put that on even though she's already soaked and freezing and for her, once she's not having fun, she's like, yeah, that's enough. That's enough for me. I don't yeah. need to run this race. I don't need to finish it. I don't need to run for another three hours uh, if it's going to rain more. And so she got to the next checkpoint and just said, no, I want to finish there. And actually two other people got to the same point and said the same thing. And they got a lift back to the start in an ambulance car, which was, yeah, it was good for me because when I got back to the car park to, I thought I could sit there. I should be able to see you and Jen finish, wait a couple of hours, wait for Holly to finish. As soon as I pulled up, I got a message saying, I'm in the ambulance car, lol. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that was fun. But it means I didn't have to wait around. So perfect for me as well. And they saw she saw us as well. She, we saw the ambulance. It was like a four by four type thing, wasn't it? Like went by. And I was like, 
<laughs> Jen was like, do you think that's for our race? And I said, yeah, somebody's probably fallen over or something, you know, on the terrain. But we were, we were also, we were about, we were, I think at the four mile mark, like halfway through when that rain and hail hit and it was atrocious. And like for us, because we were lower down and our race was shorter, it was, it was bordering between being refreshing rain and also we were getting really cold and it, it stopped in time for us not to get too cold and like I said by that point we only had sort of less than four miles to go but I can imagine if you were on top of the mountain and mm. you'd already run 13 miles that would have been horrendous yes it's one of those things of again you don't mess with mountains you know it can change yeah. so quickly because I guess pretty probably soon after that for you as well it was hot when yeah. you're in the direct sun again, it got hot again. So it's mm. really changeable. Yeah, you don't fuck about in mountains. And yeah, if you don't feel like you need to finish, you don't need to finish. So um, I think that was a good decision from her and useful Definitely. for me. Um, as for the rest of the last couple of weeks, you know what, Amy? I haven't even done one race. Oh, my God. Not even one. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done really well to uh, not do any races for a change. That was nice. Um, actually, while Holly set off to do that race, I thought, right... What I need to do, because we're in the Black Mountains, there's sheep everywhere because it's all open land. Um, I have a sheepdog, so it's very difficult to run in those kind of in those kind of places and a little bit too warm when the sun was out to have him on a canicross harness. So I drove for a fucking hour to get to a forest, which wasn't very far away, but I had to drive all the way around mm. uh, on them little shitty single lane country roads, which just stressed me out the whole weekend. Um, an hour to get to a forest to go for a run because in a forest shouldn't be sheep. Um, mm -hmm. and I've been looking on the map to look for some interesting routes because I, you know, you mentioned fire roads earlier in forest. I fucking hate them. <laughs> um, so I followed a path that had been added to OpenStreetMap and is on Strava. And I got there. It's not a fucking path. And I'm really pissed off by it. I'm going to change the map yeah. after this because it's pissed me off. It's basically, it just, it was along like a little piece of, I think like an old piece of terracing in the forest. There was mm -hmm. kind of a, a slightly flattened part on a slope that went up the hill. And it was completely overgrown. There's no sign anyone had ever walked there. And then the map just did a sharp right up a massive slope of hill. And like there was there was like a two or three foot bank to get to this slope anyway. And then it was just straight up through pine trees. Because I think it's, it's like part of it's a massive uh, managed pine forest. So, you know, you kind of can go between the rows of trees, but that's not a path. And so I got pissed off. I was spending ages just bushwhacking through all this shitty forest. And I got to a fire road and I was actually really happy to see one, which is bad for me because it means I must have been in a bad place. And so I basically had to just completely change my route from there because I thought, well, I don't trust the rest of the route that I've set for myself because I think it used a lot of this route that someone's put on the map, which shouldn't be there. So I had to change it and basically just ran on fire roads. And you know what? There were sheep in the forest. Absolute <laughs> dickhead sheep like a month ago, just loose in the forest. And because when William's running with me, he runs quite far ahead. And then the thing is, if he sees a sheep, he bolts. And there's very little I can do about it. I had to sprint after him at one point. Now, he doesn't get too close to the sheep. He's not, well, you know, he doesn't want to attack the sheep. It's just if they run, he wants to chase. I can call him back eventually, um, but it's quite stressful. And so that just made it just a really generally stressful run. I was on paths I didn't want to be on. I wasn't really up for it. I had to really kind of keep an eye on William and hold him on the lead sometimes. And he's just yawned behind me. Sorry, I'm going on about things. He knows I'm talking about him, so he's just come to see me. It's fine. Okay, go away. Um, and yeah, it was just like 13k, and I got to the last few k, and just couldn't be bothered, and I was just walking because mm. I just I said, well, I'll just get back to the car now and just finish and get back to see you guys finish, and hopefully you've had a worse time, but you all seem to quite enjoy it, so that's that's a shame. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you'd have met us when we were going up the mountain, well, not up the whole mountain, but up the hills, then, yeah. Yeah, that would have been funny. I should have been standing with that photographer. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Hill training for Amy needs to happen. I know. I'll yeah. find you some good hills. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate it so, so, so much. But also, I love doing races like that, so it's I've got to do it. But the thing, like those massive steep hills, you just walk. And you take, know, you know, it's not it's a race hard. up a hill. You can just have a lovely slow walk up the hill. It takes a while, but, you know, it's worth it. Because you get, mm. especially in the Black Mountains, incredible views. Yeah, it was. It was absolutely beautiful. Like, I've never been to the Black Mountains before. So it was really, the, like I said, the route they chose was so lovely to see everything. Yeah, I think the Brecon Beacons kind of gets um, a lot of the attention because it's, mm. it's higher. But the views aren't as good because the views you have are of kind of other mountains and lots of yeah. kind of... Uh, scrubland but black mountains is surrounded by farmland quite a lot as well so mm -hmm. that kind of looks amazing because it's all like green fields rolling into the distance mm -hmm. yes yeah, lovely yeah. place to go and also we had a quick walk up a sugarloaf mountain as well cannot wait to go back there for a run that is a brilliant place for a run that looks really really nice anyway let's get straight into our interview for this week So with all the chat we have about mega ultras and big FKT attempts, our guest this episode is a junior doctor as well as ultra crew to the stars, Nikki Ligo. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Very nice uh, that you, you have me on. Thank you. No problem at all. Now, before we get to some of the, the big stuff and the crew stuff, um, a little bit about you. You can see your background. So are you a runner yourself? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I've dabbled. Great start. Uh, my, yeah, yeah. I've dabbled. My, I think the longest distance I've ever, ever run was a half marathon, but um, it was an absolute cheat because I was on some medication, some steroid medication. So, yeah, really, no. I mean, I, I, I previously was very, very comfortable, kind of 5K, but not never, I would never have put myself in the runner bracket. No. Even I'm a walker. You run a half marathon, but you're not a runner. No, I didn't do it as an event, though. I just oh, did it okay. in an incredibly slow, ungainly fashion by myself. I, I do everything by myself. The only events really, yeah, I've done, I've done lots of walking, though. That's mm -hmm. my, my big thing is, is walking, walking in the hills. Yeah, that's where I've, that's my background. Okay, and you've done some, obviously, some of the big paths up there as well, because you're in Yorkshire. Uh, no, I'm actually in Leicestershire now. Oh, okay. I, I grew up in Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done so. My my kind of introduction to trails was with the Pennine Way, and and uh, and that's really how my route into the running world came about. Because I did, I did the Pennine Way, walked it, um, <clears throat> made a complete hash of it, if I'm honest. Then at the end of it, wrote a blog. Ended up in conversation with Damien Hall on on Twitter because he's a, you know a little bit of a Pennine Way enthusiast, wrote the guidebook, etc. I took his guidebook with me on that first mm -hmm. Pennine Way. And he, in conversation, he mentioned the spine to me and I had no idea what the spine was. And I, I followed it, I dot watched it, at the, you know, the next available opportunity after mm -hmm. he told me about it. And I think like a lot of people, I just was just absolutely addicted to watching these because they cease to be dots. When you see all the info on social media, you know, they cease to be dots. They're not just these anonymous little blobs. They, you hear about the athletes and you start to become really invested from afar in mm -hmm. their success. And then I, you know, I asked if I could go along and volunteer and, um, and, and then did that. And because my job was all at the front end of the race, I had the, the relative privilege really of seeing all of these runners uh, who are you know elite runners really who are who just obviously you know that 
the approach to the spine race is very much kind of expedition rather than race per se. It's all about can you look after yourself for 50 miles between checkpoints in the dark, in the ice, in the snow, on the hill. And so it's not quite the same as your average uh, hill race. But um, I was always seeing the front end and the front end really do race it. Mm. And that's how I ended up, you know, meeting some of the guys that I've subsequently supported on record attempts. So, yeah, so my route into it was via walking quite badly. And and it was all then a baptism of fire. And I don't think I would have been doing what I was doing had it not been for the pandemic. And everyone went, shit, there are no there are no events. Yeah. And so everyone just went, well, let me see what I can run faster than anyone's run it before. And, and that's really where, you know, where my kind of bit, my support stuff, I, I suppose, kind of blossomed. Because before I was doing it in a massive team in the spine. Although my role at the front was quite a small team. It was just two or three of us. But yeah, so that was where it all kind of, that was where I had to really kind of put my money where my mouth was in terms of being able to look after somebody running a long way. Yeah, well, that's a real uh, harsh introduction then, just like to get right to the front of one of the, the biggest races in the UK. Uh, before we kind of go on that part of it, I'd love to know how you messed up your walk on the Pennine Way, because you still completed it. I, I did, always, yeah. We always want to hear the bad stories. I, I did. Oh, do you know what? I was just... I mean, I messed it up. So I messed it up by, I, I didn't really train. Or I did, I tried to train, but then a month before I set off, I'd, I'd injured my knee. When I say injured my knee, now, many, many, many hundreds or thousands of miles down the line, I wouldn't really have called it an injury, but it just persistently hurt quite a lot when I was walking. And so I decided to sack it all off. And then it was only two or three days before the time came to leave that I went, you know what, I've already booked my leave. I should just shut up and get on with it. And it was, it was a charity fundraiser thing. So because of that, I felt like I was really needed to step up, mm-hmm. but I had, I had no idea about the gear. So I had like a waterproof that was a little bit too big for me. Wasn't particularly waterproof anymore. I didn't even know at the time that you had to kind of retreat things. So mm-hmm. it would absolutely piss it down and with rain, as is the Pennine Way's, you know, forte. And it would just, I'd be wet through to my underwear. It was literally no point in having the, the waterproofs on. And I had a pack that was insanely big, badly packed. So, you know, there was heavy, it was just, it was just ridiculous. I, I often refer to myself as an elderly DOE student. You know, when you see the DOE students and they, yeah, they've got these massive, you can hear the tins rattling in their pack. I was like that. Yeah. And, and just overladen, under-trained, had, hadn't wrecked anything. I had no idea what the Pennine Way was. I just kind of knew what Edale, I knew it started in Edale, I knew it went to Scotland. That was it. So, yeah, so I just kind of, dragged myself along and some parts of it and I know to most people who listen to your podcast this will sound insane because of what you all do but I was actually scared is probably too big a word but really apprehensive with some parts of it like you know I just remember going up Cross Fell which is the highest point on the Pennine Way and walking into the cloud line and, and just thinking god you know I felt like I was going into the into the unknown yeah. now I mean I've done the Pennine Way many times since then and sometimes on an up and back kind of double and now it just doesn't seem such a big deal but then it was it was a it was an enormous deal for me yeah oh yeah well there's there's still plenty of bits I'm sure there are plenty of sections of that where a healthy bit of fear is probably a good thing because there are some scary ridges around yeah I mean there's no ridge per se on the on the um Pennine Way it's all relatively well there's a couple of places where there's a little bit uh you know in the, in the fog and the mm. mist 
that you very could... isolated yeah it is and there's a lot of bleak sections where mm. it's just moorland going up I mean I quite like that but I mean I'm not you know it's an it, it's a, it's not an easy trail and uh, everyone I know who's walked it whether they've done it in 17 days or they've done it on the spine in seven days um everybody seems to have real euphoria and a big sense of achievement when they get to the end of it and I have a lot of respect for anyone who, who does it so I'm not undermining the fact that I found it difficult I'm not trying to undermine how hard it is and certainly on the spine I mean that's just nuts what they have to do but yeah I, I don't know yeah I think you're right a bit of healthy kind of respect for work for the environment that you're in and mm-hmm. what what can go wrong isn't a bad thing is it <laughs> yeah absolutely so somehow from that where you say a, a terrible attempt at the Pennine Way I mean you still completed it and you kind of wrote about it Damien Hall got in touch with you and you ended up helping him out when he went to do the FKT? Yeah, so I initially, um, John went out and did it first. So Mike Mm -hmm. Hartley's record had stood for, I think, 31 years. And there'd been many attempts to break it. No one had. And then, of course, the pandemic came along. Everyone was kind of trained and ready for events that then didn't happen. And John Kelly, um, who, who I don't think needs any introduction, but, you know, American you know, relatively good runner, had <laughs> come over from the States and was living over here. And he decided to go for the record. And he, I'd met him because he'd done the spine race and, and won the spine race. So I'd been looking after him up the trail on that. Mm-hmm. And he then just got in touch and said, would you know, would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be interested. I didn't know at the time that I was going to be the only person doing it. I mean, oh, thank wow. God for a section in the middle, um, uh, a friend now friend very good friend called Sharon Dyson came along with her van and sort of did a did a, a little chunk in the middle with me but beyond that I mean obviously there were paces and everything but from a road support point of view I was on my own and John's very scientific and specific about the way he approaches things and I remember the night before being in Eden and just going through his stuff and he's telling me how many you know calories he wanted per hour and what percentage needed to be protein and all these different mixes and powders and all this sort of stuff and I just remember thinking it will be an absolute miracle if this is not a shit show if I don't feed him some I don't know powder in the wrong liquid or the wrong whatever but it but it I did we didn't get it wrong I didn't get it wrong but he did have a really really difficult time because he developed this bleed this gut bleed Mm. um and honestly to this day I don't know how he made it up that trail but he did and he broke the record by just over half an hour I think 34 minutes or something Mm. and then then Damien I was already kind of booked in to well I wasn't booked in to help him actually that's not true he had his crew already booked in and I'd sort of said, you know, can I, can I come out? I was a bit sort of bolshy. He went, can I come out? I'm a bit of a fan of the trail and blah, blah, blah. And he went, yeah, you can come out. There's a bit of a misunderstanding here. He's written his book. He thought I meant, can I pop out at some point? Well, I rocked up at the beginning. I rocked up at um, Kirk Yetham. And then, I mean, I'd gone along to look after his crew. So like, I know what it was like. You don't sleep, you don't drink, you don't eat because everything's constantly busy. So I went along and I essentially made his crew cups of tea and went off and got bits of shopping and all that kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then sort of when they were sleeping or whatever, I picked up the picked up the reins, yeah, and then obviously helped him on helped him on, him on two or three things now. So, right, so you've been crew and you've been crew to the crew. It's fantastic. It's good experience. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so when we talk about that, you mentioned a couple of the little things and pieces you do there. And, you know, we hear about big FKT attempts because they're kind of more uh, popular now, I say, after the pandemic. And it's, I think they're getting a bit more press, some of these bigger ones now as well. They get a bit more media attention. Um, and we hear about people having crew with them. So we just want to hear a bit about what exactly the job of the crew is. I'm sure it changes each time, but kind of in general terms, why do runners need a crew for a start? And what kind of things are you doing for them? So I think the job's quite um, specific and broad at the same time. So the bottom line is, in, in my view, when someone is running, or it doesn't really matter what they're running, but let's just, it, it needs to be a long, you know, an endurance run. When they're running, they, it, there will come a time when simply putting one foot in front of the, the other is all that they have reserves to do. And you need to be there to fill in absolutely everything else so that all they have to do is put one foot in front of the other. So you need to make sure that they never have to worry about whether you will be where you need to be when you need to be there. They never have to worry about whether or not you will have their their soft flasks prepped with the right fluids that they want for the next section, that it's adequate for the next section because it changes depending on how long the section is, how arduous the section is, etc. Um, they want to know that you've got a variety of foods and that's almost never just what they've brought with them. You know, that you, you know this as well as anybody that you, you will start off with a plan and the only thing you can guarantee is that you will not stick to that plan because you'll get halfway in and you'll be going, oh, my food is shit, I can't stand any of it. Mm. And you won't be able to get any of it down, whether it's just because you don't fancy that food or you physically can't get it down. So it's, you know, it's, it's to have that kind of adaptability and flexibility to be able to go, well, he, he or she needs to fuel and whatever they've got currently isn't doing the trick. So be able to do, just think about what you think might fill the gaps. They've gone off sweet stuff because it's hurting their mouth. Okay, we're going to go savory. We know that they're not swallowing anything particularly solid. So we're going to go soups or whatever. And you, and you just adapt to that. And I think as long as you've got those generic things so that you're where you need to be, when you need to be, and that you're prepared to be flexible um, and you understand the brief, you know, you understand what the runner is going through to an extent. You don't have to have done it, just like whatever, a cancer doctor doesn't have to have had cancer. You don't have to have gone through that that, that they're going through, but you do need to understand what it is. Yeah, it's very much the the admin part of, of the run. They can get the running done and you can get all the other bits done for them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And kit as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you know, that section they're coming up to has got a climb, you know, that they're going to, they can say beforehand at this point, I want my poles, for example, you have to make sure that they fully trust you and they, they know they don't have to go, have I got my poles? Because they can't think about all that stuff. They're just running. You know, if you get to day two, day three of something, you, you, everything goes. Yeah, day two or day three sounds mad to me i still can't quite get over that um what kind of strategies do you have for dealing with runners because obviously as you say they get once they get days into an event is it just a case of you just tell them what to do and you put them in a chair and you you know take socks off them and that kind of thing force food on them or do you have to be kind of nice to them and goad them into things well so that varies that varies from runner to runner there are so i've seen times with john towards the end of a run where a lot you know day day two three sort of thing where uh, for him, he really does, everything shuts down. And I remember the first time he ran into a road crossing, it was like, what, what do I do? And I remember thinking, 
like what John Kelly's asking me, that middle-aged DV, you know, white Pennine Way woman, uh, what to do, you know, and it's just because everything's gone, it kind of closes down and he just runs. So there are times when, yes, you literally do everything. I mean, Damien's less, less so, apart from on the coast to coast, when he had absolutely no idea because he was unwell with this, this whole sodium problem. So he, he then also need, needed us to, just to tell him what was happening and what, mm. what to do. But mostly that just really does depend on the length of the run, the runner and what their kind of character is like. Thank you very much to Gabby Naya for doing our research for us and suggesting we speak to Nikki. That one has definitely paid off and we'll hear more from Nikki later on. If you want to support this podcast, it is quick, easy and most importantly, unnecessary. So head to patreon.com forward slash running is bullshit. Follow the links from our website. You can give us £2 a month or you can cancel giving us £2 a month because prices for everything are shit at the moment. So please do not hesitate to cancel if you're feeling the pinch at the moment. We've got one new name this week. So welcome to Raymond Quinn and everyone else who donated this month are... Karen Blake, Elizabeth Shabam. Claire Dina, Bernadette McCarthy, Ivor Hewitt, Stuart Stevens, Liz Reese, Sam Whaley, Matt Garner, Gordy Thelwell, David Irwin, Maria Wigstrick Sky, Simon Grimshaw, Drew Edwards, Shambolic Adult, Amanda E. Hernandez, Victoria Dick, Len Martin, Steph Hall, Sophie Jackson, Phillips, Penny Simpson, Colin Hill, Clark Gilmore, Andy Robbins, Kurt Shepherd, Matt Newbury, Greg Collins, Matt Jones, Violet Brett, Elliot Lind, Amanda Marie Hind, Charlie Neverson. Nikki Genders, Anthony Howe, James Lampert, Sherry Grubbs, Lisa Gibbon, Paul Hibbert, Angela Foster Swales, Matt Jodowski, Victoria Magnus, A.H., Jonathan Carter, Karen Hamilton, Ruth K.P., Brian Simpson, Raymond Quinn, Gail Seal, Julia Page, Cassie Jones, Rachel Bentley, co-writer Ian Hales, Gabriel Thomas Nyer, Catherine Benton, Jay Carl Fleming, Ian Thompson, Kath Everett, Mavis, Martin Kaplan, Debbie Hurley McCaffin, Jason Spinks, Matt H.A.P. Neil Denton, Matthew Watt, Max McCarty. Don't forget to get in touch with your running bullshit on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Running is BS and let us know why you particularly hate running this week, which is exactly what Rachel Bullmore did. You said, I wanted to share my running BS. Friday, I went running at 6.30 and got sunburn, my fault. Went this morning at the same time, but wearing sunblock. One kilometre into the run, I sweat and get sunblock in both eyes. Now burning and watery, can hardly see. Had to end route early. Sad faced emoji. Oh, I hate that. That's such a shit reason to end a run. It's understandable, but it's such a shit reason. Oh, mate, on that, in the Black Mountains, it started raining and it was 
it was like I never wear sunblock because I'm silly um, but it was washing the sweat into my eyes and I legitimately couldn't see I had just in one eye I had like one eye closed the whole time while it was yeah. raining Ugh. I think sometimes I would rather get sunburn than wear sun cream because it pisses me off so much because I hate the smell of it I hate you have to rub on your hands and your face is then sticky for ages mm. I mean I know suntan is really bad I know sunburn is really bad obviously but I just, I just fucking hate putting sun cream on. The technology needs to be improved. We need a better solution than rubbing shitty cream all over ourselves that stinks. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> the Montaigne Spine Race started last week and may well still be going. I've no idea. It's too far for me to think about. Um, Gabby Nea ran the sprint version and tweeted us she had no BS to report and she loved it all. Three-week ban for Gabby. The race organisers have been sharing that the percent of women running the sprint this year was 47%, which is great and everything, but they also use the line, who runs the world? Which, judging by the stat they posted, was men. <laughs> yeah, still majority men are running it, even though yeah. it's a small majority, it's still the majority. I get what you're saying, yeah. but who runs the world is possibly not the greatest thing to use there, because statistically, it's not who you're trying to say it is. Um, they did say the percentages for the other races as well, and it was 33% women for the medium and 20% for the whole thing. But they are increasing year on year. At iBike, Heathfield said, right, I'll tell you what is BS. Carefully, slavishly, cautiously following a rehab plan for three months after a calf muscle tear at eight miles into a road half to have the other calf go the first time I go to park run in years. For fuck's sake. Oh, This way no. don't do park run. Dangerous. Need be saying that. <laughs> Just oh, the other one to go. Well, at least you know what the rehab plan is. Yeah. So that's handy. You've saved yourself a few quid on physio probably. Yeah, just do the same thing. <laughs> just do the same thing. Three months, probably happen again, but you know, we'll see. Or perhaps it was the rehab plan. Perhaps you didn't do it. Perhaps you did it too carefully. Mm, yeah. Perhaps you should have just started running again after three weeks like the rest of us would have done. And you would have been day. fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you would have just had minor pain for three or four years instead. That's what everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> Emma Hollingdrake messaged us to say, I've recently walked 100 kilometers in two days carrying all my stuff in a rucksack and my feet are destroyed i may never walk or run long distance again photos attached sorry emma oh. amy i've just added the photos oh. just now and this is the first time you have seen them this is disgusting sorry emma but this is like what is going on with your little toe it looks like you've got gangrene yeah that is black toe oh the yeah. blister on that heel is a good inch across there's a lot of skin coming off the sole there there's so many patches of skin hanging off. Oh, you perhaps did not have the right shoes. Emma, why were you walking 100 kilometers in two days anyway? Carrying all your stuff in a rucksack. Oh, um, I did reply to her and I said, but the time I saw this message, which is about 12 hours after she'd sent it, she'd probably always signed up to another event. And yes, she's looking at a 50 baller in October and is doing the three peaks in August. What is wrong with us as runners? God. Emma, just just maybe look at your shoes and your socks. Just sort that out first. I mean, in just two days, that's very impressive yeah, amount of damage. But thank you so much for sending those photos. Mm. We've had an email from Raymond Quinn, our latest Patreon, who ran the Trail Pursuit Half Marathon in 6.5 hours and enjoyed the post-event video he received from them saying what a great event it was. Um, which is what we talked about last episode in terms of how terrible that event was and i'm, I'm assuming raymond that 6.5 hours is a lot longer than you normally run a half marathon uh, yeah so moving on 
from that with some properly petty bullshit. He said, people stealing your hill is bullshit. During the winter months, trying to find a hilly street which has all the elements needed for hill repeats is a tricky task. The hill needs to be long enough, quiet enough that you can run on the road, have street lighting in the winter, and most importantly, not have any houses fronting onto it where people living there will think you are either mad or checking their house to burgle later. I did find such a hill within about a mile of my home and was delighted at this find and was out there regularly on a Tuesday night. Then, one Tuesday, I was at the top of the hill, jogging down, when this bloke appears at the bottom, mulls around a bit, then starts horsing up the hill, my hill, doing his own hill repeats. Obviously, there's only one thing to do when somebody like-minded appears and cohabits your training space. I moved onto a shittier hill with houses either side and finished the session there. The guy was clearly fitter than me, and I don't need reminding of that. I had the last laugh, though. I changed my day to a Thursday, which I'm sure was a lesson to the chap. I think Raymond needs some assertiveness lessons. What assertiveness? Get off my hill. He can't just, <laughs> just, just carry on running. But like, I showed him by leaving <laughs> ah, and then changing my day. So I'll never have to see him. I mean, that's a bit weird on the other guy's account. Like... I, if I got to a hill and somebody else was doing hill repeats, I'd feel a bit awkward, <laughs> like just joining in. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little bit awkward. But I think the last time, think about it, the last time I did like proper hill repeats on a street like that was about five years ago. And that was the beginning of my um, injuries. Basically, uh, that's when I kind of tweaked my hip flexor. And it was just, it was fucked for about two years then. So that's why I don't do those anymore. Mm. I just walk up hills in, in the woods instead. Yeah, just go on a hilly run. Don't worry about hill repeats. But I like a bit of pettiness. I thought this was going to be one of those uh, messages we get often about people who steal segments on Strava and they go out there and do them again and again and again just to make sure they yeah. get to be legend. But no, this is like claiming your hill repeat hill. <laughs> I love it. Please give us more messages of your running pettiness, please. Uh, let's get back to talking to Nikki. Um, so what kind of thing do you need to be prepared for in the middle of one of these big events? You know, what, what are the things that can go wrong that you need to be ready to deal with? Oh, my God. <laughs> Loads. I suppose. So if you look at long runs, the two biggest things that cause people to DNF uh, are, are feet and guts. Um, oh, terrific. Oh, you're in good company here then. <laughs> but they really, yeah, they really are. So, yeah, feet... Um, I mean, it's really blisters, as long as they haven't got infected, shouldn't be a game changer because there are ways of patching up your feet that you can push through, you know, that you'd be able to push on through. But get that get that right. And it's brilliant. And, and it, you can significantly reduce the pain associated with blisters. Get it wrong and things can ruck up and cause further blisters uh infection i suppose if you're on a kind of three plus day thing then inf infection's a big deal if you're constantly getting wet feet you're not particularly changing socks and shoes very often you need to watch out for that but if you can learn you know uh uh how to just use bits of lint or or little makeup pads to cut around the shape of a blister and, and learn the basics of when you do and don't pop a blister so if it, if it isn't hurting don't pop it because if you pop it you're opening up a, a hole that bugs can get in and you could have an infection doesn't matter if that's a short run if you're only running for a number of hours that's okay but if you're running for days then you really do want to make sure that you're not opening up any kind of portal for infection so 
and then putting you know kt tape or some kind of flexible sport tape around that um so that you, when you're running when your foot is moving the, the tape is moving with your foot and therefore more likely to stay in place so things like that and then guts I don't know where to start with guts. I mean, that's like an hour chat on its own, isn't it? On its own. It, it, guts, uh, so just very briefly, physiologically, I think it helps to understand when you're, when you're running, you're, you have a kind of, you, you um, what's the word? You, um, it, you trigger your fight, fright, flight mechanism. And the analogy I use is that whole um, mechanism of running and everything that happens in your body when you're running is you know, from an evolutionary point of view is from when you were running from the tiger or whatever was threatening you and you never had to do it for long because you either got away or got eaten. Mm-hmm. And then you, you look at endurance runners, um, you know, anybody really running a marathon plus, you're, you're way beyond that category and you're running for a long period of time. And because preferentially when you're, um, you're running, your body gives blood to your muscles in order for you to be able to run and that takes it away from other things and your gut is one of those things because your gut just isn't necessary to recruit for you to run Mm -hmm. and that means you don't have the same you don't really have an adequate blood supply to your gut when you're running over a long period of time and that causes some changes and some inflammation and um, potentially a little bit of swelling and it means that you then struggle to absorb. You, you might have the, the normal motility that moves things forwards in your gut, slows down. So you could have, uh, you could find that you're vomiting, you know, you take things in, but they just sit in your stomach, nothing goes anywhere. And then it comes all back out again. You've not made use of any of it. So understanding that, so understanding things like if that's getting really bad, um, some people find if it's a long enough event, stopping and sleeping, for half an hour or at least just stopping or or hang back because if you think your gut is going to cause a dnf just if you've got the the leeway from a cutoff point of view to just hang back a bit you might find that your stomach starts to accept things again and then sorry this is a really long-winded answer but no, no, and then the whole the whole kind of um approach to saying right at the beginning most people can eat whatever they want because you're fresh um, but as as thing as time moves on and as you get you progress, you're going to want different things. You shouldn't be eating high fiber food, really. You don't want anything that's gonna you know that's difficult to digest. So mm-hmm. you want low fiber foods. You want white bread, not brown bread, for example. If you're eating sandwiches, white pasta, whatever, not nothing wholemeal. Um, and you need a massive variety. So you need proper food, in my opinion, proper food. I think. Uh, trying to do it on sugars alone is uh, is a dangerous game on a really mm-hmm. long run. Uh, proper foods, proper meals, sandwiches, soups, that kind of thing. Well, m- sandwiches or meals. And then have things like soups and more fluid type of food, liquid type of food. And then towards the end, I mean, right at the end of a run, sugars, literally gels, sugars, that sort of thing. And, and, and then this kind of sloppy stuff that we've made for Damien on his runs, which is uh, one of his crew members is called Mark, Mark Townsend, awesome guy. He made a, he, he's, his sort of signature dish <laughs> for the latter stages is rice pudding with tinned cocktail fruit in it. Oh. And, and then I took that a step further this year with Damien's Pennine Way and he had um, rice pudding. I put in rice, it was vegan stuff, but rice mm-hmm. pudding 
uh, soya custard, peach jelly, and mango chunks with some juice. And honestly, oh, and a bit of bit of milk. And then shook it up in a great big plastic container with a wide mouth. Get, the poor pacers, you know, they're like, normally they're going, yeah, we'll take a bar, we'll take this. And I'm going, can you take this massive litre-sized container of slop? <laughs> and then they have to carry essentially an extra kilo. Um, but it goes trifle. Literally like that, yeah. Oh, and it, that and sounds it, great. Do you know what it is? And it's it, you don't have to chew, you don't have to chew it. It yep. just goes down in a swallow, but carries with it some complex carbs that will take you know that will provide you with calories for a long time. It's relatively easy to digest because it's all sloppy. Mm-hmm. It's a really good call, I think. Yeah. Well, that perhaps leads us quite nicely into the, the next question I had. If someone is planning to support a friend on a long distance event, obviously not to be the same extreme as these, I don't think. Uh, what are your top tips for being good crew for your runner? Um, so, uh, like anything, I suppose, preparation. So, um, uh, if it's going to be a long run, bank your sleep. That is a, that is a thing. It, there is evidence to suggest you can bank some sleep before you go out. Cause we don't sleep any more than the runner does on these things. Know, know the, the, the trail. If, if you can, that's not always possible. Know the trail, understand exactly what it is that your runner wants. So you definitely need to talk to them beforehand. And then I always make this. These tables, I have to have everything really, really, really easy, uh, like Fisher Price easy, kids easy. I make tables so that when I'm shattered, sleep deprived, haven't eaten, whatever, I can glance at it and it is blindingly obvious what mm-hmm. I need to do at the next stop so that you are reducing your margin um, margin of error. Um, yeah, and and then, yeah, and then, and then the rest of it is just about adaptability and, uh, and being flexible. Sorry, dogs come in. <laughs> Adaptab- adaptability and being flexible so that when things do start to go not quite as according to plan, you you can respond to that. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I'm, uh, a friend and I will be supporting our partners uh, in a 50 mile race soon. So yeah, I'll be definitely be doing a bit of that. I'll be doing a bit more preparation now, I think, and having so, a good variety <laughs> of food as well. What is it? Where is it? Uh, it's a 50 mile race, uh, also known as the Beast in Mid Wales. Oh my god, Hilly. So that sounds fun. Lovely. So well, there you go then. So what can I say? Just make sure you've got some custard. Yeah. Uh, some rice pudding, bit of jelly. <laughs> yeah, and and a few things for them maybe as well. Yeah. yeah also. <laughs> yeah, that's just for you to keep going. Oh, yeah, you need that. Um, we also want to talk a bit about your fundraising work as well, because some of the uh, walking and other kind of activities you've done has gone towards a lot of fundraising as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, I appreciate an opportunity to talk about this at any point, really. Mm. This is massively close to my heart. We've got a friend who's got um, a, a young boy with a disease called Duchenne, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And just really quickly in a nutshell, it's a disease that causes your muscles to waste and become useless. And these kids start off life completely normal in terms of muscle function. And then over the years, they, they slowly but surely lose the use of their muscles initially in their legs, then in their arms and your heart is a muscle. So eventually the heart fails and it's completely fatal at the moment. So uh, it's principally uh, in boys and that's because of the way it's inherited. It's a genetic condition. And um, it, it's, it's devastating, not just because of, from the parents' point of view, watching their child go through this unbelievably heartbreaking demise but because the kids 
you know, they go through their teenage years. I mean, it's getting slightly better now. Things are moving forwards. But, you know, you, 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 the, these kids, just as our kids do, who, who don't have these diseases, they look online at things and they realise what's happening to them. They, are, they have access to information. They know by the time they're in their teens what the future holds. So they have obviously an enormous burden in terms of mental health and, and the impact of realising what, what's happening to them. And um, although it's at the moment 100% terminal, they, uh, there's some pretty exciting work being done across a range of treatments, but principally gene therapy, or in my view, gene therapy looks pretty exciting. Um, and it's where, because it's a genetic condition, it's, we know what gene is affected in these boys. And there's um, scientists have now made a gene, a shortened version, but functional enough version of the gene. And they're just at the moment in the early stages of trials, trying to um, administer this gene in a way that's safe and effective. And broadly speaking, people in the field think that the generation of boys that currently has it will either be the last to die or the very first to survive. Right. So we just all want to go hell for leather to make it the latter and, yes. and you know, big things on the horizon hopefully cool uh, where do people find out more about that so we've got a just giving page my family and i've been doing fundraising in all sorts of ways walks runs swims bike rides all sorts for the last i think six or seven years um and there's actually you can just google duchenne so d-u-c-h-e-n-n-e duchenne and ligo which is my surname l-y-g-o and then it, it should come up it should come up fairly fairly early on the on the pages Fantastic. And you've raised about 70 grand so far. Yeah, we're actually on. So, yeah, we're on about we're on about 69, just shy of 69. So, yeah, we need to come up with another thing to do this year. We haven't done anything yet, which is remiss. Yeah. But yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll definitely look out for that. Um, in our few minutes we have remaining for our free Zoom account. Um, can you let us know what you think is the most bullshit thing about running? Yeah, do you know what? I've been through so many. <laughs> I've been through so many options. So initially, I was going to talk about cows because I, I, I have so many stories. Cows. I was really scared of cows before I went on the Pennine Way the first time, and I, 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 I had some strategies and help to get over that. And I got to the point where I was totally comfortable. But I'm not going to lie. I've had a relapse in the last two days, and um, there are some proper bolshy cows just literally in the field next to our garden. And they are, they, yeah, they've caused me to have a problem. So it was going to be that, but you know what? Given my kind of role in support and a little bit medical and all that, um, I've got to say guts, guts, guts are the most bullshit. And they actually, I'm just going to, I mean, they are literally yeah, shitty. They are. But guts are the most bullshit thing. They cause lots of DNFs. They, they are an absolute pain in the ass, but it is possible <laughs> to get it right. It's like, it's like repairable bullshit, but they mm. are bullshit. Is it so? When you were talking about before about um, your kind of stomach kind of shuts down a little bit, your guts shut down, they don't digest food. Is that something you can get used to? You can train yourself to be better at. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. You can. Tra so training definitely helps. Um, so training, as in, um, just simply forget the eating bit. Just tr you can train in two ways. So you can train your normal training will make it make it such that you don't deprive your stomach your guts of the blood of blood in quite i'm really not saying this very well right when your normal training will will eventually lead to 
your gut not being deprived of quite so much blood when you are running. It will mm -hmm. become more normal and you won't shunt quite as much away from your gut. There'll be some, a bit more left over for it. But also uh, you can train your, you can train to, to be able to eat and take in food while you're running. And that's quite important as well uh, to be able to eat on the move and, and you therefore need to train eating on the move. Yeah. It's no good, you know, eating, doing your run, then eating again, and then getting into your race and wondering why when you're running, your, your body isn't accepting food. You've got to train eating on the move. Excellent tip and why I enjoy ultra training so much, because you can stop for a sandwich <laughs> and a piece of cake halfway through. That's good training <laughs> to me. Um, if people want to find you, you are Nikki Ligo on Twitter. And if people scroll back, there's some really great kind of behind the scenes stuff for some of uh, these FKT attempts as well. And hopefully there'll be a few more of those in the future as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm if I'm ever out, I'm uh, I'm a bit of a, a Twitter whore when it comes to chucking content out. When the but I think people are interested in you know seeing pictures of people looking a bit broken and, oh, yes. and hearing how well or how badly they're doing. So yeah, I do chuck a whole lot of stuff out when I'm out supporting people. That's lovely. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And we are always glad to have dogs interrupting interviews, but even more glad to have someone like Nikki with these fantastic experiences to tell us all about them. Now, if you want even more LIGO, you can listen to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast, who you may remember ran an FKT the same time we did, although theirs was twice as long. And this time they beat us to Nikki by a few weeks, but they gave her a whole hour to chat. So if you want even more, check out that episode from the beginning of June to get a little bit more. Let's have some bullshit marketing. First up, we've got the naked T slash R. I don't know how you're supposed to say that out loud. Capital T forward slash small case R. Uh, the Facebook post says, laceless equals more speed. Agility cage equals lateral stability. Liner lock insole equals no slipping. Carbon plate equals energy rebound. Knit cuff equals no debris. Achilles bolsters equals heel lock. Vibram outsole equals more traction, designed for performance with security and comfort to match. Security. What? What is this brand? Is the TR the brand, or is it what brand? I is think this? Naked is the brand, and T T slash R is the shoe. Naked, not like the ones who make the the cereal bar things, is it? Because I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. What? I've never heard of this brand, but they do have a Vibram um, sole, so I imagine they've got a bit of cash to like have vibro involved and stuff like but yeah what? but they've also got an agility cage so that's good agility cage i take that ju that just means the upper like the the, <laughs> the upper of the uh the shoe like what is this and it's, the, it's just the structure of the, the shoe. weirdest looking shoe ever but laceless equals more speed don't your laces on your shoe serve a purpose not just in terms of like holding your your foot to the shoe but when you're running you can tie the lace in different ways and i have different tightness in different places yeah, but, but think of all that drag you're getting from Mate. laces flapping around oh my god this is what this shoe I, I don't mean to like offend anyone who's got this shoe I, i've never seen this before in my fucking life this shoe is whack as like what the but hell like, a knit cuff equals no debris 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 from what why, why are you kicking down walls or something and it clears it up for you i don't understand debris it's the most bizarre the most bizarre shoe I've ever seen. I've never heard of that brand ever. <laughs> well, it's the most bizarre shoe you've ever seen until you scroll down on our notes and see the next one. Yeah. 
Oh my god. That is like, you know, the shoe that I'm looking at now, the next shoe, you know when you're a kid and you had like MS paint and you draw a squiggly line and then you'd use the fill option, like squiggly lines, you'd yeah. then use the paint fill option to like make oh, different colours. Yes. That's that shoe. I designed that it shoe is. when I was five on Windows 98. Yeah. Um, well, finally, we've got a shoe that extends a bridge between reality and the metaverse, oh, yeah. which is frankly what we've all been crying out for. Like, oh, I like these shoes, but if only they extended a bridge between reality and the metaverse. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know how to describe these other than what you've just said, but we're going to have to just post them on our socials. I mean, looking at these shoes, if any shoe was a bridge between reality and the metaverse, it would be these. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I somehow still think that's a good description. Yeah. Oh, they... now just by the way, these are fifteen hundred dollars. Are they are they actually running shoes, or are they meant to be like fashion shoes? Honestly, no idea. <laughs> the thing is, you can't tell because they're so clearly marketed at complete dickheads who think expensive is good and just don't know anything else. The description on the website doesn't explain or, or justify anything about them. It just says what they're made of and what kind of laces it has. It's kind of it's. It's a weird, rare case of non-marketing bullshit. They make me feel really uncomfortable. I feel like they have torn a hole in reality in order to retrieve these shoes from a from another parallel universe. Like, I don't like them. They do not seem of this world. Yeah, I think they're called like unicorn low-top sneakers. And I'm sorry we we're not doing a good job of describing them, but it's very difficult. Uh, please check our social media during this week i hate it and we'll, we'll post them because they are just that it gives me a really uncomfortable feeling i don't like it yeah it's the fact that like the front and the back there's a little gap between like the forefoot and the heel mm. and i th- i don't know if that's the unicorniness of it i don't know if it gives you like a weird paw print i don't, I don't I like how they don't have paws. i don't like how they've called it unicorn as well it doesn't match but then what would match this is, I think unicorn just gets applied to anything that's multicolored now, doesn't it? I don't know, but I don't like it. They're freaking me out. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's freak people out in a different way by you singing. Is the bullshit running loose? That tore a hole in reality. <laughs> Get some more shoes. Just a quickie for you today, because it's a long episode already. Uh, in excellent news for horse haters like us, man has once again proven its superiority over horse, thanks to Ricky Lightfoot winning the man versus horse race in mid-Wales. This is a bizarre and amazing race that takes place every year between runners and riders over 22 muddy, hilly miles. This year, there were 60 horses and 1,200 runners lined up, and usually horses smash it and man only has a chance in terrible weather but this year nominative determinism was the winner as ricky lightfoot put the horses back in their place this is a hundred percent a race i'll be trying to enter for next year can you imagine on that start line with 1200 runners and 60 horses all running off together would be amazing i mean jen danger harding has done this race before and she said i need to do it next year with her so yeah i think this is one i'm up for next year as well I, i just said to her like do you end up being anywhere near the horses? And she's like, "No, you won't. You will be. You will be. You will be no. <laughs> you won't. You will be nowhere near the horses. The horses will be out in front. So that's yeah. fine with me." <laughs> yeah, it's from a company called Green Events, and they do weird events. I like. I just like the look of them. Their websites. It's one of those ones. The website is shit, but in a good way. Mm. I quite like it because they also do like bog snorkeling events and stone skimming stone events skimming. and like a cider cycle event, something oh. like that. But they do some really weird things like this obviously man versus horse is quite famous now and actually it's not too far from us mm-hmm. i think uh entries 
open for Man vs. Horse in the new year. So we'll definitely keep an eye out for this one because what great content. Yeah, they sell out really quickly, apparently. I think it's New Year's Day. Jen was telling me about it and you gotta, you got to be in there and booking it. <laughs> okay, we will be on that one. Yes. <laughs> so Stuart, what have you got coming up next? I've got another race. Yay! Oh, I've missed them so much. It's the Cosmiston Relay. It's the biggest event of our club's year. We've got 60 runners involved in a big relay event. It should be fantastic. Um, I'll also be meeting up with potentially lots of our listeners because uh, the With Me Now podcast is having a meetup in Birmingham next week. And obviously, we've got lots of crossover with our listeners. And I'll be there. So I'll get to meet lots of people, probably. Um, sorry to everyone. There'll be no Amy. There'll be no SBC. And there'll be no William. So it'll just be me. So I might not get many people coming up and saying hello because i know i'm the least popular one on this podcast <laughs> after you um people that aren't on it and the dogs yeah yeah oh, i'm well. bottom of the pile never oh, mind well. maybe they could ask like you facetime me or something and i can have a quick hello <laughs> i'll just show the photos of william yeah amy what are you doing i've got another race whoa hang on whoa i know, I know. two races two races in a year I know, in the space of a week. So I'm doing the Blade Runner. Now, Stuart, take it away. What is this race? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I believe it's set in 2049 and it's in a dystopian futuristic city oh, and you have to run upside down. I don't really, I haven't seen Blade Runner, so I can't really finish off that analogy. Okay. Um, I believe it's like a race on some country lanes with some wind turbines nearby. Oh, is that why it's called Blade Runner? <laughs> I have no idea. Jen's <laughs> of like, let's, you don't. <laughs> Jen's like, let's enter this race, and I'm like, okay, it's called Blade Runner, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I'd got the name on there, and you were taking the piss because I have no idea. I think it's like six or seven miles. She said it's on country lanes, but other than that, it's on Wednesday night. Other than that, no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's country lanes, a little bit of trail at the end, not nothing difficult. It's like I think it's a bit of a hill up at the beginning and a good downhill finish. I remember I, I recorded a very quick mile at the end there, so that was nice. fun. And you'll see, you'll be quite near some wind turbines, so that's nice. Is that legitimately why it's called the Blade Runner? Yeah. There's wind turbines. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not named after the film. Okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm doing. So another race. And also, we're looking at doing some more, like, we're looking at entering some more trail races because we do need to train for, well, I've got, like, the, um, the Rhythm in September, is that? I've got the Bristol Epic eight-hour race. Ooh. And then the one I'm doing with Jen, which is the Penavan one um, in November. So I do need to actually train. Just a side note there. Had somebody at the Black Mountains race who like pulled up next to our car and was chatting to one of the volunteers. And they were saying how they're from Bristol and stuff. And they were, they were over in Wales a lot for work. And bless them, said, we climbed up Penny Fan. Oh. We climbed up Penny Fan a few weeks ago. I thought, bless them. Bloody English. <laughs> Bloody English. Coming over here, abusing our language. Yeah, yeah. Their language. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, we've got... So, I need to start doing some more trail runs because... And races because it just ain't that shit where I live. <laughs> yeah. There aren't those hills where I live. <laughs> buy some tea. Amy can buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this bullshit, you can visit runningisbs.com to see the show notes and the links from this episode and the whole back catalogue as well as links to our Patreon merch store and our social medias. Goodbye. Bye. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs>